The Productive Woman, Episode 96. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. I am really glad you've joined me today because I've been looking forward to sharing this episode with you. This episode features my conversation with Ebony Nelson, who is a law professor, a wife, and a mom. And we had a great conversation about making time for the things that matter to you. Uh, She has an incredibly busy life and a lot of demands that she deals with, just like all of us do. And so she had some really good insights to share, and I I think you're going to really enjoy this. You'll find information about Ebony and links to the tools she recommends and various ways you can connect with her online in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 96. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, an amazing cloud accounting service that can help you manage the finances for your business. FreshBooks is just really on a mission to make things simple for small business owners. And if you operate a small business and you're not already using FreshBooks, you really owe it to yourself to check out how FreshBooks can simplify managing the money side of your business. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a full month of unrestricted use to all Productive Woman listeners. Totally free. You don't need to enter a credit card for the trial period. So check it out. So what is FreshBooks and why am I so excited about it? Well, it's just a complete accounting service for those who operate a small business. It starts with really amazing invoicing features. They have created this super intuitive tool that makes it extremely simple to create and send invoices. It takes maybe 30 seconds to do it. You can customize the invoices by adding your own logo, using your color scheme, so your invoice reflects your brand. And the service allows that your clients can pay you online right from the invoice that they receive in the email, which that all by itself can seriously improve how quickly you get paid. And they go further because they have this great sort of dashboard that lets you check the history of an invoice and you can see whether a client has looked at the invoice you've emailed to them. So you no longer have a a situation of invoices going missing or, hey, I haven't seen it yet because you can tell that FreshBooks can also send late payment reminders to your clients automatically, which means you don't have to spend any time or aggravation chasing down clients for late payment. So it really helps get you paid quicker. If you have the kind of business where maybe you take a deposit at the beginning of a project and you collect the rest later, you can use the FreshBooks deposit feature, which streamlines how you do that, how you invoice for the deposit up front or the money that you get up front when you're kicking off a project. But there's more to it than simply the invoicing. It does everything else. So many features to help you get organized and streamline that business side of being a freelancer or operating a small business. FreshBooks makes keeping track of your expenses incredibly simple. You know, no more boxes full of receipts. You can actually, with their great mobile app, uh, it lets you take pictures of your receipts. Then FreshBooks organizes them for later processing. In so doing, it makes it very simple for you to create expense reports if you need them, makes setting things up to claim your expenses at tax time a breeze. All the little details about cash flow are kept in one place in FreshBooks. So FreshBooks at any given time knows exactly what invoices you sent, when you sent them, who's paid you, who owes you what, what expenses you've incurred. All of it is right there. If you have the kind of business where you need to track your time because you bill clients for amounts of time spent, you know, that's something I know about as a lawyer, FreshBooks has you covered there as well. It handles your time tracking so that when it comes time to create that invoice, you know what you did, when you did it, and for whom, and it's just right there. So really getting started on FreshBooks is so simple. Even if you're not a numbers person, I am totally not. And it took me a matter of minutes kind of noodling around in the FreshBooks website to be absolutely convinced this is the service for me for managing the money. So be sure and check it out. As I said, FreshBooks is offering a full month of unrestricted use of their entire service to all productive woman listeners. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash woman 
and then enter woman in the how did you hear about a section of the website. Give it a try and let me know what you think. And now let's get right into my conversation with Ebony. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Ebony Nelson. I first learned about Ebony through a mutual friend, former Productive Woman guest, Demetra Liggins. And the more I've learned about her, the more I wanted to get to know her and introduce her to you. So I've really been looking forward for quite a while to talking with her. So welcome, Ebony. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm so happy to be speaking with you this evening. Well, it's a privilege to have you here, and uh, and I'm, I'm excited to hear sort of how you do all the amazing things you do. And so maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Sure. I'm currently a law professor at the University of South Carolina School of Law, where I teach courses in contracts, commercial law, consumer law, and race, class, and education. And this is actually my 14th year teaching. Um, I've been teaching here for nine years. Um, And prior to that, I was at Thurgood Marshall School of Law at Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas, uh, where I taught similar courses. Um, My scholarship is in the area of race, class, and education, thinking about ways to be sure that we're affording equal educational opportunities to students of color as well as disadvantaged students. And so that's really my passion with regards to my scholarship. Um, On the personal side, I just celebrated my 14th wedding anniversary to my husband, Scott, and we have a 10-year-old daughter, Ella, who will be starting fifth grade next year assuming all goes well with her report card on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, is the school year still underway there? We just finished up on Friday. Okay. So she is very excited that she does not have to wake up and go to school tomorrow morning. And I'll be quite honest with you. I think I'm more excited about that than she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, are, are you still, are you teaching through the summer or... I don't teach during the summer. Um, I'm very fortunate in that uh, our law school gives us the opportunity to really focus on scholarship during the summer. Some professors teach during the summer, um, but the vast majority of us just focus on our scholarship and use that time away from teaching students to focus on our writing. You know, and that's an interesting thing. I think for for people who don't know um, that uh, people like you who teach at the either at the university level or graduate school level, law school in your case, it's not just about preparing and, and teaching classes. You have other responsibilities as a law school professor. That's absolutely correct. You know, any professor in higher education, generally, uh, you know, they say there's three three legs to the stool, and that's scholarship, service, and teaching. And so, yes, during the school year, a lot of your focus is on preparing for classes and teaching your classes, but you're also engaged in scholarship and service during that time. And so whether it's serving on university committees or your particular department or law school's committees, uh, serving out in the community, um, and also doing research and writing in your scholarly area, um, you know, it makes for a very busy profession. So even though you may only be in the classroom from four to eight hours in a week, your days are still very busy with engaging with scholarship and service. Yeah. So it's not, you know, teach for an hour and then go drink coffee the rest of the day. You've got that's correct. As much as we'd love it to be, (laughs) it's not quite like that. Although I will say the flexibility that being a professor gives you and the autonomy that it gives you. I mean, it's it's such a change from my couple of years of practicing in a large law firm. I mean, it doesn't come close to those amount of hours. Although I will say in my first couple of years of teaching, I felt like I was working even longer hours just to get up to speed on the material. But now that I've been doing it for uh, several years now, uh, that aspect of it um, obviously has has dwindled. Yeah, I can imagine the first year to, because it's one thing to know the law, to practice law. It's another thing entirely to know it well enough to teach particularly the way it's taught at law school. Obviously, my experience is on the student side. Right. Absolutely. And very few law professors, really, if any, receive any training on how to be a teacher. Law school doesn't 
train you for that generally. I had the uh, fortunate uh, ability to be a teaching assistant for then uh, professor, now Senator Elizabeth Warren. And so I got a, a little bit of an exposure to teaching and um, handing out materials and handing out practice questions and grading those. But very few of us in law school get any training with how to be an effective teacher. And uh, once you start teaching, very few of us get that training as well. And so it's yeah. really on the job training. Um, so making sure that you're prepared. Um, and it's a scary situation, I'll be honest with you, when you're first walking in that classroom. And in my case, because I started teaching just two years after graduating law school, you know, I was really in the same cohort as a lot of my students. Um, but knowing that I was prepared, uh, knowing that I, you know, have effective communication skills to be able to convey to the students the knowledge that I have and to express it to them in such a way that they're able to understand the material, um, you know, I had just had to walk in that confidence and that ability. And of course, every year that you teach, Hopefully you improve in that area just like you would in anything else. I've had a little taste of that for uh, for three. Most of my practice has been here in Texas, but for three years I was out in Seattle at a firm there. And for a couple of semesters, I taught as an adjunct at, oh, yes. at a, a law school there in Seattle. And uh, I remember walking in the first day. It was terrifying. And then at the end of the semester, when you get the evaluations, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was it was just terrifying to hold those in my hand and think, do I want to read these? So, Absolutely. So I have great Absolutely. admiration for you for what you do. Oh, thank you. And I tell you what, even though I'm very blessed and fortunate to get um, very, very nice um student evaluations, I always read them with a glass of wine or two nearby. <laughs> because I tell my students, there's always one or two that completely hate you. And of course, as a natural and fortunate human tendency, uh, if there's any constructive feedback, anything slightly negative, oftentimes we want to pick a, pick on that and focus on that instead of all of the other glowing reviews <laughs> that we isn't, get. But isn't that the truth? Of, you know, numerous and numerous teaching evaluations, uh, along with the, the liquid courage, I'm <laughs> much more, <laughs> it, it's much more of an enjoyable experience now than it was in my first and second year of teaching, reading those. <laughs> yeah, it's so true that, I mean, that's a perfect example of a truth that kind of applies across the board that doesn't matter how much positive feedback we get, all our attention goes to that one little bit of criticism, you know? Absolutely. I, I think that is that is so true. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I think particularly for women, uh, that's one of the things that I see with myself and that I see with a lot of my friends and colleagues. Um, you know, anytime there's any sort of, again, feedback that is not 1000% positive, it may be 999% positive, but just that 1% we focus on. And so I think that's something that we have to work on and realize um, that just as much focus, if not more deserves to be on that 999%, all of those other positive, wonderful things that we're doing and that we're bringing to our environments and that we're bringing to our workplaces. Um, and of course, still think about the constructive feedback, use that to better ourselves as we uh, continue in our professions or our um, service or whatever the case may be. Um, but that is a tendency I think that we do have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I always think of the line, uh, there's a line in one of my favorite movies, an old one, Pretty Woman, the Julia mm -hmm. Roberts movie. And there's the scene where they're having a conversation about what her background is. And he says how, you know, how gifted she is and how extraordinary she is. And she ha she says the line, the bad stuff is easier to believe. And, right, right. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think that's true. And that's just, I think something that, you know, really on a daily basis, we have to fight against um, both, not just the external bad things that we may, may hear, but the internal, mm -hmm. some of the negative thoughts that we may have within our own heads. I think that we really do have to have a very concerted effort to fight against that because I think that that negative self-thinking can really be detrimental uh, for anyone, but particularly women. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That's, uh, yeah, boy, 
Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about productivity. Um, and I'm real interested in in hearing a little bit bit about how you manage to uh, sort of manage your schedule and the mm-hmm. things that you have to do as a professor and as a wife and mom and the other things you do in your life. I think it's helpful though to give a little bit of context for that. So. Mm-hmm. Can we start by maybe you telling us a little bit about, if there is such a day, what a typical day might be like for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. So typically, particularly during the week, the day begins for me around 6.30. Um, I try to get up about 15 minutes earlier than waking up my daughter around 6.45 uh, to make sure that I'm at least bathed <laughs> and half-dressed, not completely dressed by then, but got a half-dress uh, before I get her up. We're usually out of the door by about 7.30. And in the meantime, of course, I've made sure that she's, um, you know, she's at that age now that she can dress herself and all of that, but I still prepare her breakfast and get her lunch together, um, which I should do the night before, but I never do. (laughs) So (laughs) all of that happens in the morning. Um, And so we're usually out of the door around 7.30. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I do is in that drive time, we have about a 20, 25 minute commute. And I try to use that time uh, effectively by studying with her during that time. So if she has a test coming up, later in the week or a quiz or spelling test that she has almost every week, we use that travel time uh, to study a little bit. So I try to manage my day a little bit by getting in um, some of that homework um, as soon as I can. So I drop her off around eight. And then um, if I'm teaching that day, I'll head into the office. If I'm not teaching that day, I'll head back home and generally work from home. But if I am teaching, I head into the office. And I'm one of those people that I really compartmentalize things. So when I'm in teaching mode, I'm in teaching mode. And it's hard for me to shift from being in teaching mode to being in scholarship mode, for instance. Um, And so as we talked about earlier, the vast majority of my scholarship takes place during the summers, Um, the writing aspect of it, the research. I do some of that during the school year, but I'm really just generally in teaching mode during the school year. And so I'm prepping for my classes um, generally in the mornings. Um, Sometimes I teach at 10. Sometimes I teach um, around noon. So it just depends. And I usually teach two classes a semester. So I'm prepping for those classes and then I go and teach those classes. If there are any questions that's come come up in class or any follow-up I want to do, I spend the afternoon time taking care of all of that and then also looking over the material for the next day so I can just know what's coming up. I generally pick my daughter up around um, three o'clock from school. She used to go to extended care, which was an aftercare kind of um, time. And I would pick her up around five or five thirty. But I realized that was, you know, it's fun time for her, but homework wasn't getting done (laughs) during that time. And so by the time you get home that late, um, you know, I thought it would be best this year to pick her up early. So I pick her up around three. We're home at three thirty. She gets a little bit of a break. But then around four thirty, four forty five, it's homework time. And I am very involved uh, with her schoolwork, obviously, and making sure that she understands the material that she has for homework. So usually I'm focused on that. And a lot of times I don't even start thinking about dinner until six (laughs) o'clock. We eat very late in the Nelson household. (laughs) Thankfully, my husband loves to cook. And so he will uh, take over the dinner duties a lot of times. But if not, I'm thinking about preparing dinner uh, around six. So it's usually something fairly easy to make very quick. And then my daughter is in bath and bed around 8, 830, reading books in, in bed around nine. And if I do have more work to do, then I do it after she goes to bed. Um, so I'm usually in bed around 10 or 11 and then get up and do it all over again. So it's a pretty full day. It is. Well, you know, that helps sort of get a context for the kinds of things that you do to manage all that. I think every, every one of us, our life is a little different and, and our personalities are different and we have, uh, therefore different challenges when it comes to being productive in the sense of getting the stuff done that we want to do. You know, some people, you know, have a hard time managing their time. Some have a hard time, you know, keeping their stuff organized. A lot of women seems 
have a hard time saying no, so they take mm-hmm. on too much stuff. What would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing all these things that you've described, uh, all these um, commitments that you have? Mm-hmm. I think for me, sometimes it is about managing the time because you know, because I care so much about what I'm working on at that moment, um, as far as prepping for class, or if there is some cert, you know, committee that I'm serving as the chair of, I'll find myself spending more time than I probably should just to make sure that that task is accomplished to the absolute best of my ability. And that I'm a million percent comfortable with it when I probably could have spent a little bit less time, it still would have been pretty good. But yet that's taken away time that I I had to work on something else. Um, And again, because I'm so compartmentalized, if one thing isn't completely done, it's hard for me to move on (laughs) to something else. And so kind of managing uh, multiple tasks and and making sure that within a day, I'm giving a sufficient amount of time to multiple tasks is something that's difficult for me. I like to kind of have a task, get it done, and then move on to the next thing, um, as opposed to doing, okay, one or two hours on this, putting that aside, you know, 10% done, and then moving on to something else and only getting 10% of that done. I just feel a lot better when I devote, you know, all of my time to one thing, really kind of checking that off of my to-do list before moving on to something else. But again, I'm not always successful in doing that. And so before I know it, I have a lot of things on my plate that all haven't been uh, accomplished yet. And that's that can be really hard for some of us. I know that when I first got out of law school, one of the hardest things for me, aside from the fact that my clients would do things that in the ideal legal theory mm-hmm. world, uh, I knew they didn't have to, you know, they would right. make business decisions that I would think, but wait, no, the law's on your side, um, <laughs> but, you know, which is a separate thing. But for me, it was that very kind of thing that wanting to finish everything and I would work very, very late trying to get everything finished because it was hard for me to go home with things left undone. And I really had to learn that, you know what, it's there's always going to be something more to do. That's right. And uh, I could stay there till midnight and still not have everything done because there are new things coming in right. all the time. And so, absolutely, and that is particularly a challenge for a lot of professors with regards to their writing and their scholarship. You're working on this article for months, um, but there comes some point where you have to let it out the door. You have to submit it to the journals for publication. But you know, you just want to make sure that it's perfect. Well, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be another footnote that could be in there or another citation that, you know, you could have included or another way in which you could have said or made this particular point. But again, you have to have that realization that I've put in the work, the scholarship is good, and it's time for me to let it go and move on to something else. And it can be hard sometimes to get to that point of, okay, this is done. Let me move on to something else. Well, and, and, you know, that's a great point. I think it's not just professors who struggle with that. A lot of us have these sort of perfectionistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. some cases, it's sort of a defense mechanism. We keep working on something uh, because we're, for lack of a better term, afraid of putting it out there. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're always looking for something more to do, trying to make it perfect. How do you overcome that? Because you always have something else you need to move on to. How have you um, been able to get yourself comfortable to find that stopping point and put the work out there? Yes, exactly. You know, I think over the years, it's really been building confidence in myself and in my work and realizing that let's look at your past and and help your past direct your future, right? So when you look back at your past and you say, okay, when I sent this article out, it was published or when I, you know, stopped working on this project, it was successful. You know, people, you know, I got good feedback on it. Um, And so there, there does come that point when you know, okay, when I say this is done and it's not just that it's good enough, but it's, 
good, <laughs> you know, yeah. very good. And so developing that confidence about myself and about my work product, that has helped me to move on to tasks and move on to projects uh, more quickly and to use my time more efficiently um, because I realize that that confidence has been built, that that ability that I have to effectively accomplish something and move on to something else, I think that has helped me to realize that if that's the way it's been, it over the past, you know, X amount of years, well, why should it be any different in the future? So let me, you know, kind of tie this one up and move on to another task and another project. Giving yourself credit for what you've accomplished in the past and seeing that that's evidence that you are competent to do this thing that you're doing now. Absolutely. I think that that's very true. And you know, of course, we all deal with fear. We all, particularly when we are um, embarking on a new adventure or a new project. Um, but I say embrace that fear um, and let that fear catapult you into uh, new endeavors. Um, and again, because you've been successful in the past in new endeavors that you have sought out, um, walk in that confidence and be assured that that's going to be the case in the future as well. I think that's such an important thing to remember. I really appreciate you, you know, sort of making that point because I think it's something a lot of us struggle with and it's, it's a lesson we have to keep learning all the time. I agree. So on a sort of practical nuts and bolts level, are there particular tools or systems that you use to manage your time and to, you know, make sure you're where you need to be when you need to be there? Any particular tools you like or resources that you recommend for learning that or managing that? You know, it's it's so funny that you asked that. I am likely the most technologically challenged guest <laughs> you've ever <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. I've had a few. <laughs> probably pretty close. Um, you know, I even had to have help from my IT department to set up <laughs> a Skype interview for today. Um, but, you know, the main thing that I use is just you know, old school, although maybe a little new school, just online calculator. So I have my email, excuse me, a calendar. I have my email that of course has a calendar attached to that. I think it's Microsoft Outlook or something like that. And so I schedule everything on that calendar and that's everything, including professional life as well as personal life, whether that's my daughter's homework, uh, you know, quizzes or tests or project due dates to my committee meetings, I have the honor of serving as the president of the Board of Sister Care, which is a nonprofit dedicated to um, survivors of domestic violence. And so if we have you know, something to attend for that or board meeting, everything goes on my calendar. My husband's football schedule, my husband is a football coach uh, for a local high school and his practice schedule <laughs> is on there. So I'll know, okay, I can't call him at the last minute and ask him to go pick up Ella if I get tied up because he's at practice that day. So without that calendar, I really would be lost. And it's funny when I'm at an event and I'll have a student or a colleague say, oh, so we're still meeting for lunch tomorrow, right? I said, until I wake up and look at that calendar, sometimes I don't even remember that I've scheduled it. Um, But I use that calendar to make sure that I'm not having conflicts um, with other things going on. But other than that, that is the only real tool or resource that I use. I mean, it was only just yesterday, or excuse me, on Friday, when my IT department was helping me set up uh, the Skype, uh, that I actually got my email on my phone. I was still... I was still going into my email via the internet and going through 50 steps. So I guess that's a way to manage my time a little bit better. Simply having my email on my phone instead of spending 30 seconds every time to go into and check my email when I'm not in the office. Well, that's, uh, yeah. On the other hand, there's something kind of nice about not having it on your phone. It's, it's one of the, I don't know, ironies of modern life that the, the technology that makes it easier for us to get more done also ties up so much of our time. And, you know, that's, that's very true. That's very true. I recently, I think I always had a somewhat of a 
profile out there on LinkedIn floating around somewhere for years. And at my brother's um, encouragement, my younger brother, who's 10 years younger than I am and very well connected with all things social media, I finally, you know, updated and put a real profile out there. And again, I'm spending all this time looking at LinkedIn. I'm like, well, this is not very useful. Way to use my time. So I can see how technology can be both a a curse as well as a helpmate. (laughs) Yeah, it really takes managing, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, those of us who are really tied into sort of the electronic world. And, and uh, as anybody who listens to this show knows, I am an, uh, you know, unrepentant Apple fangirl. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I own everything that they sell pretty much all the different <laughs> devices. And I really have to f- personally fight the urge to constantly be checking my phone to see what emails right. have come in or what text messages or what's coming up on social media mm-hmm. and really kind of corral that to create the time to do the, you know, to do the creative stuff. Like for you, the the research and the writing that you need to do, that requires a certain kind of thinking that you can't do if you your phone's dinging right. at you all the time. Absolutely. I think that that's so true. And one other thing that I thought about, particularly last semester uh, that I used for the first time is I actually hired my cousin uh, who was, you know, taking us a time off from college and here in town. And I hired her to be kind of a pseudo nanny for my daughter. I had I was a chair of our faculty selections committee um, in which we're looking for new faculty. And so that made for an extremely, extremely busy semester when you're adding that service component uh, along with the teaching component, um, along with everything else that I had going on. And so I actually had her, you know, pick my daughter up two times a week to take her to piano lessons, to, you know, take her to, um, you take her home and get her started on her homework uh, to help me be able to stay at the office longer to do some of that administrative work. Cause again, once I got you know, had enough time to get through kind of with teaching prep and teaching classes and thinking about teaching for the next day, then to turn to the administrative work that was going to require more time in the office. Uh, So I didn't have to bring all of that work home. And so, you know, hiring her, using her to help me was very beneficial and definitely helped me manage my time. And I think that as women, A lot of times we feel guilty about getting assistance when we absolutely should not. And whatever that assistance may be, whether that's someone um, coming in to clean your your home or someone helping to take care of your children or run them from place to place. I think all of those ways to help us be the most effective mother, wife, professional, sister, friend, daughter that we can be, I don't think that we should ever feel guilty or bad about that. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I I was wondering as you were describing that here, having heard earlier in our conversation, what a very hands-on active mom you are, was that hard for you to sort of hand that off you know, for that season when you had this additional responsibility to take care of. Right. And, you know, at first in thinking about it before I did it, it was just because, you know, you want to, you know, this idea of, you know, I can do it all. But I'm telling you what, my schedule was getting so busy that my tagline became throw money at the problem. So what if, if I had a time management issue, if I had an issue of, oh, you know, I need to have the house clean, throw money at the problem. Let me hire someone to do those things to help me out. And again, it helps me realize that, you know, one of the things that I think has helped me throughout my professional life and personal life for that matter is, although it may sound selfish, I try to put myself first. And what I mean by that is I try to make sure that I am in a good place personally, professionally, spiritually, so that, again, I could be the wife that I need to be, the mother that I need to be, the law professor that I need to be. And so if I haven't allowed myself um, kind of the freedom to get the assistance that I need and not feel bad about it and, you know, to go and get my nails done and take a break and not feel bad about it, then I'm not going to be as effective in the other realms of my life that I need to be. And so I think that, you know, 
know, being able to walk in that freedom is something that has been very useful uh, for me. And so once I realized how helpful uh, my cousin was being, of course, my daughter loved it as well. She loves spending time with her older, cooler <laughs> cousin. Um, and uh, then, you know, it was really a no brainer after that. You know, and I think it's so important. What you've just said is so important for all of us as women to really hear and take to heart that sense that we have that many of us fight against of, well, I should be able to do this. And so what's wrong with me? And mm-hmm. and I, I actually was just thinking about this last week and I think incorporated it into an episode that I recorded for the coming week about, you know, the sense that we have of, well, everybody else is able to pull, do all this. So what's wrong with me that I'm not? Well, the fact is, you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. We have this, we compare our lives to other people's lives when we don't see the whole story. And there's such value, whether you're in a position to hire help, or you need to find more creative ways to sort of organize your schedule Mm -hmm. to delegate or get rid of the things that anybody could do to make that time for you to do the things that only you can do so you can do them really, really well. And part of that, I absolutely agree, part of that is taking care of yourself so that you have the physical and emotional resources to help the people around you. Absolutely. I cannot agree with you more, Laura. I will never forget, you know, it's one of those aha moments, if you will. I'm watching Oprah and there's Winona Judd and she's just talking about struggles in her life. And this has been years ago, but it has stuck with me um, ever since I heard her say this. And she's like, well, what I realized is once I was looking at my list, my list of things to do, my list of people that I was helping to take care of, I realized that I was not, uh, not just not at the top of the list. I wasn't even on the list is what she said. And that really struck a chord with me. And to be quite honest, I think that I may have even seen that episode, perhaps even before my daughter was born. So this is just, you know, me married. But just hearing that, I just thought that that was so very profound. And I think that it is so important for us, particularly as women, because let's be honest, my life would be a lot easier if I had a wife at home. If I had another me at home, (laughs) my husband, Scott, is wonderful. He's very hands on. But you know, I am doing the majority of things going on in the home on a daily basis when it comes to things like homework and, you know, house care and things of that nature. And so I think that it's very, very important uh, for your own self-help and uh, more importantly, your self-happiness. And some of you say happiness is overrated. Happiness is not overrated. I don't think that we are meant to walk through this life of ours unhappy and unfulfilled. And I think that we have to look to ourselves for that happiness, for that fulfillment, as opposed to other people. And so whatever that is, you know, whatever that is for you personally, I think that we have the right and the responsibility to try to achieve it for ourselves and not apologize for not make excuses for, but I think that that's our right uh, as women um, to to, um, endeavor to find that happiness and that fulfillment and to, again, make sure that we're just not on the list, but that we are at the top of our own list as far as the people that we are taking care of. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, there's a question that I love uh, to ask my guests because I learn something from everyone. And it's sort of a two-part question. and, And this is it. With all that you have going on and the systems you have in place to kind of organize things, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed and and things kind of go downhill and and if so what do you do to get back on track oh absolutely <laughs> you know uh, those days definitely come in my life as i as i'm sure they do in a lot of our your listeners lives and you know when those days happen what i've come to realize is Oh, well, it's just another day. Oh, well, the laundry didn't get done today. Oh, well, I didn't write one single word on that article that day. Oh, well. And what I've come to realize is it's okay because 
tomorrow, Lord willing, is a new day. Mm -hmm. And it's a new day for me to get, you know, accomplish those things that I did not get accomplished before. For me, one of the most detrimental things that I have a tendency to do is I will start getting overwhelmed because I'm looking at everything I need to accomplish all together. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about, oh, there's these five or 10 things I need to get done. And anytime I start feeling those feelings of being overwhelmed, that's when I have those days where nothing gets done because I'm too overwhelmed to even walk towards tackling one thing. It paralyzes you. To do. Absolutely. And so when I feel that coming on, um, what I try to do is take a step back and again, compartmentalize that no, Ebony, you don't have 10 things to do. You have one thing to do right now. And let's focus on that one thing. And even if that one thing, again, doesn't get accomplished that day, Oh, well, let me have a glass of wine and we'll try it again tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully tomorrow will be a more productive day. And guess what? Usually it is. And so the world keeps revolving. I think I've just come to this place of, you know, even if I can't get accomplished everything that I may want to get accomplished at a particular time, eventually it's always thankfully, going to get accomplished and going to get done and going to get done well. And so again, I just walk in that and I try to help that um, those thoughts, those positive thoughts permeate my mind as opposed to the negative thoughts of, oh, I didn't get anything done today. That's a, such a great perspective and, and something I appreciate hearing. It's a reminder I need to hear. I, I love the, oh, well, I'm going to be saying that this week. I, I just know That's it. Right. I love it. I, I just really love that. So what's on the horizon for you? What sorts of, uh, you know, in, in your professional, personal life, anything mm-hmm. interesting coming up that you're looking forward to? Well, I'll I'll say one professional and one personal. So I'll start with the professional. One thing that I'm very excited about is that um, my... Two co-researchers and I recently received a grant from Access Group in which we were able to conduct an empirical study looking at the relationship between race-neutral identity factors and the race of first-year law students. And this work is, we believe, instrumental in looking at the future of affirmative action in higher education, particularly in law schools, and ways that we can continue to have racially diverse institutions of higher education without necessarily considering race. Although we're all advocates of race-conscious measures to diversify student bodies, we know that those race-conscious efforts have been um, threatened uh, recently, both at the state ballot boxes as well as with the Supreme Court. Um, And so engaging in this work, and we've conducted the surveys of first-year law students, and we are currently analyzing the data. And so I'm very excited excited about um, writing and speaking about the results of our study and thinking about ways to continue to have diverse law schools and institutions of higher education, even if, heaven forbid, we are unable to continue to do so through race-conscious affirmative action measures. So that's on the professional uh, side of things. On the personal side of things, I'm turning 40 this summer, and so I'm very excited about celebrating um, Um, such a monumental um, birthday, Lord willing, with my friends and family and just thinking about, you know, all of the great things that I've been able to accomplish uh, in my 40 years, but also trying to look to the horizon and thinking about things that I want to accomplish, you know, hopefully in the next 40 plus years. And so on the the personal side, uh, those are kind of some of the things that I'm looking forward to. That's pretty exciting. I I will say I turned 56 last month. And uh, I would say my 40s were pretty awesome. I I mean, the 50s are going great, too. Don't get me wrong. But um, I almost started feeling like a grown up when I I hit 40. Exactly. So, um, Ebony, is there a way that if, you know, if listeners want to connect with you, is there a way for them to do that? Are you on social media at all? Or is uh... I am not the only 
pseudo social media that I'm on is LinkedIn. Um, but I'm happy for, for anyone to contact me through my email, which is Nelson E S at law.sc.edu. That's N E L S O N E S at law L A W dot S C as in South Carolina dot edu. I welcome the opportunity to uh, interact and speak with your listeners and so that we can continue the conversations in the future. That would be great. And I'll put that if you don't if it's okay with you, I'll put that in sure. the show notes so folks can find it there. Absolutely. Well this has been just so so wonderful, so helpful and so in- encouraging. Before we go Do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for some help or encouragement in in kind of getting things done and making a life that matters? Right. I think, you know, the thing that I would say is, first of all, realizing that it's you who determines what matters in your life. And as we were speaking about earlier, we really have to fight against the comparison game. And what is productive for you, what is success for you may not be the same for someone else. But as long as that is what your goals are, and that's what you're striving for, then that is perfectly uh, all right and perfectly fine. And so defining that success, defining that productivity for yourself, I think is one of the first steps in helping to have a life that matters. Uh, I think one of the other things that one could do is just, again, not walk in fear. Instead, embrace it and use that fear to catapult you to exploring endeavors that may make your life matter more to you and to those around you. That is awesome. You know what? I couldn't end things any better than that. Thank you so much, Ebony. Thank you so much, Laura. It was truly an honor and a pleasure to speak with you today. I really appreciate Ebony taking the time to talk with me and share with us her thoughts on how she manages that busy life and to give, you know, some really good insights that I think are useful to all of us. I found it very encouraging. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Ebony? Is there anything she said that really kind of resonated with you and you'd like to give some feedback? I know she'd love to hear from you and I would as well. There are, as always, several ways you can share your insight or your input on the episode. If you want to share your comments publicly, you can do that in the comments section of the show notes for this episode right on the website at theproductivewoman.com slash 96, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page. If you'd like to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, or you can leave a voice message on either the website or the Facebook page. There's a button there for leaving a voice message, and you just tap that button, and, and you can just record it right there and send it. So I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, if you like the show and you think it's worthwhile, I'd appreciate your help in spreading the word. You can share this episode or any other on your social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, any of those. There are very easy sharing buttons right there on the website. It's very easy to find. You can't miss them. And I would love it if you'd share you know, this episode, if there's someone that if you think your friends would enjoy it or any other episode for that matter. Let your friends know about the show and, and help them become part of the community. And if you would consider leaving a review of the show, I would appreciate that very much. Uh, It really helps with making the show more visible to other people, and the feedback is really valuable to me. Uh, You can leave a review on iTunes, on Stitcher. There are links for doing that in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 96. And uh, I would appreciate it very much. I'd like to give a special thank you to a listener who recently left a, a really nice little five-star review in iTunes. It's BritB03. And she says, I'm a young woman just starting out married life and I'm learning great foundations for productivity as I begin juggling family, work, fun, etc. Really appreciate the wisdom and experience and find this so practical for my everyday life. And thank you so much, BritB03. I appreciate knowing that. That's my goal. I want it to be very practical. I want it to be encouraging. And so I appreciate very much you taking the time to let me know that at least as far as you're concerned, I'm on track. So thanks so much. And let's, you know, stay in touch. I've received some really nice emails from listeners recently. And I want to say thank you to those of you who've written to me. 
I appreciate having that conversation with you. Couple announcements before we wrap up. I've mentioned before, I have some things in the works that I, I think, I hope you're going to be interested in. Things I'm trying to put together to serve you better, to help you in your journey toward being a productive person, productive woman. And I'd like to be able to keep in touch with you, keep you updated as things come along. So if you're not yet on my email list, would you please consider going to the website and signing up? It's very simple. There's a button on the home page that you just can click on. It currently says download my toolbox. That's going to be changing. It, you know, if you click on it, you can get my the free uh, list of the digital tools that I use to be productive. Uh, I'm going to be changing. I'm putting together something new to make available to you that I hope you'll find helpful and, you know, another little free thing that you can download. But in doing that, it takes your email and puts it on the list. If you don't want to do that, you can also just send me an email at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and just say, add me to your email list. I promise I'm not going to flood your inbox with emails. I'll be putting kind of a short little newsletter announcements together just every few weeks to keep you posted on some things that we're going to be doing and opportunities we maybe will have to interact and, and questions I may have for you about how I can serve you better. I guess that goes to the same point. I'm I'm really looking for ways to connect with you more directly. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with you and not just talk to you. So one of the things I'm thinking about doing, and I think I mentioned this last week, is creating a private Facebook group just for Productive Woman listeners as a place where we can meet up and, and interact more, where you can directly ask questions, share information, insights, and encouragement basically have a conversation about productivity, about get doing the things that matter, about making a life that matters. And I would love to kind of create that community together, but I want to know if that's something you're interested in. So if you're on Facebook or would get on Facebook and would be interested in a private community that's just for those of us in the Productive Woman group here, let me know. Would you shoot me an email at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and just let me know that you'd be interested in a private Facebook group. You know, there's no cost or anything. This is just a place for us to communicate amongst ourselves. I think I've mentioned that, you know, we started the very first Productive Woman Mastermind groups this summer, and they're going very well. And I'm just having a blast getting to know the ladies in these groups. And I find them just inspiring and and love watching them communicate with each other. And, you know, we're just supporting each other in our journeys toward being more productive. I plan to launch another group, possibly two, depending on how much interest there is. These will be paid groups. And really the progress that these women are making towards achieving the goals they set for themselves really shows me that this kind of service, this kind of group, this kind of interaction and accountability is really worthwhile. If this sounds like something you might be interested in, shoot me an email again at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and just let me know you might be interested. No obligation at this point, but I can send you more information. We'll be starting up the next groups in September and uh, I'd be happy to tell you a little more about it. And I think that's it. Special thank you to the sponsor of this episode, Fresh Books Online, you know, accounting service. Remember to check out the free 30-day unrestricted trial of their amazing service by going to freshbooks.com slash woman and enter woman in the how did you hear about us section. And thanks so much to Fresh Books for their support of the productive woman. I'm very, very grateful. And that really is it. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Ebony. I hope it helped you. I hope there was something in there that you can take and and put into effect in your own life and that you found some encouragement there. Uh, Let me know what you think. I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.